This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. This one is going to be a little bit different, and it's one of the most favorite that we have done so far. Sorry, Jeffrey Lavecchio, you weren't a part of it, but that is okay. But I got the chance and the opportunity to lead a virtual town hall with six current Canadian national women's team players as they get ready to play in the world championships up in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, what a talk this was. And uh, the reason why it also is so special for me is because all six of these women actually have played for Cornell University back in the day. Um, and uh, they all have had the opportunity to now represent their country at various different tournaments, a couple of them in the Olympics, World Championships, U18s, anything and everything in between. And we did this virtual town hall to raise awareness for a charity hockey game that we do every year in Ithaca around Cornell that benefits Racker, which is a school for children that have special needs. And so this was part of just raising the awareness of the charity and the charity game uh, on August 14th. That would have happened this weekend. This obviously comes out on a Monday, um, but the six Canadian national players, we have Micah Zandi Hart, Jamie Bourbonnet, Kristen O'Neill, Jill Sonier, Brianne Jenner and Rebecca Johnston. And they were absolutely amazing. And for everybody that was on the zoom town hall, uh, they got so much out of it. So inspiring, very, very cool stuff. Before we do get into the intro to these women though, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio Vex. What's up today, my man. Not much dude. It's Friday. Another week in the books. Had a bunch of more of my college guys leave today, so it's always bittersweet. Uh, happy to see them go and put use all the work we did the last couple months, but always sad on their last day, you know. But we had some fun. I don't know if you saw my Instagram the past two days. We did a Rochambeau rock, paper, scissors tournament yesterday for uh, a tub of protein one of the guys bought and didn't want, so it was just kind of giving it away. We did that. And then today I had my old college or my old uh, TV that I that I bought my first year pro when I was in camp in Boston and the, dude, the TV was $1,700 TVs that like it was only a 47 inch. Like that TV now probably costs like $180, maybe like 300 max. Like how weird is that? That not that long ago, so much more money. Anyways, yeah. still a good TV gave it, gave, we did a Rochambeau tourney. One of the boys won it electric. So that was a fun way to send him <laughs> off. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, it is a 
kind of a crazy time right now. I mean, the, the season's right around the corner. This is always a time when everybody starts to, you know, get really excited for what's to come. And, and, uh, for these women, especially, I mean, the world championships got, uh, postponed slash canceled <laughs> way back. I can't even remember what month that was because of COVID and, and what a kind of a joke that was that they didn't have the protocols in place or, or necessary to be able to actually execute it while all these other tournaments still ended up going on. But, uh, very, very cool that they are able to, to now play and uh, very, very cool to be able to get the chance to, to speak to these women before their tournament because um, they are very excited for it. Uh, there's so much pride in Team Canada when it comes to playing for the, you know, the, the not the name on the back, but the logo on the front. And uh, these women are just really, really inspiring. And it hits home a little bit more for me. Now I got three girls uh, that may or may not want to play hockey someday. Uh, my my two-year-old Lucy just absolutely loves it. Every time we get to a rink, she like lights up and wants to play hockey at home with the little mini sticks and everything. So it's kind of cool. But uh, just just really, really inspiring talks. And, and it was really cool because if you listen to the whole thing at the end of it, I, I talk and the one question I asked to each of the six of the women is if you had some advice for girls that are growing up now that have the same hopes and dreams as, as you do, what, what would it be? And just, again, just kind of hits home and, you know, straight to the heart and, and just so many inspiring words for these women, for, for the younger generation growing up, which is like, honestly, the women that play hockey today, the greatest thing that they do is their, their mentorship. And we've talked about it with literally every woman that we've brought on this podcast, whether it was college coaches, uh, Olympians from the U S Olympians from Canada, whatever it may be, they all are just incredible in how much they want to do better for the next generation coming up behind them. And, uh, we talked about that. So just a really, really cool conversation. And, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to our listeners getting the chance to, uh, you know, to listen to it. I think it's so important, you know, that saying, if you can see it, you can be it, you know? So I think them uh, showing the the next generation of girls like your daughters, you know, they're excited to play hockey because they're able to see like what these women were able to do um, where they are now and things like that. And it's just so important that we keep shining a spotlight on it for sure. How, uh, how fun are the U S Canada games too? Like I, I can't, the best. Wait. I, I cannot wait for that. I don't care if it's, I don't, I don't care what sport it is. Honestly, I just like watching USA and Canada. Back. <laughs> for sure, man. I mean, it's uh, it, there's nothing better. I mean, those games in the Olympics that have been played, and, and just the rivalry with the world championships. I mean, it seems to be always us and Canada playing for the gold medal. And, you know, you train Nick Hensley, who is a goalie for the U S team. Uh, we've had numerous U S players on here, like Kendall coin Schofield and the Lamaru twins and, and, uh, and, and Nick and, and others. And, and now we have the ability to, to have some of the Canadian women's women on. And there is this like really awesome contingent, at Cornell for the women's program of Canadian national players. Like I said, there's six, there's six on the team right now. And uh, the assistant coach for the world championship team is Dougie Dara, who is the head coach at Cornell. And he just does an absolutely phenomenal job uh, recruiting and coaching at Cornell. And uh, so this was, this was cool. I, I, it's really hard for me, honestly, to root for anybody because I know so many women on both sides that it's hard to actually pick one, even though I am from the U S but I also like really know these Cornell people as well. So, uh, you just root for a good game. You root for a close game and, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. 
need to get one of those jerseys that's like half USA. Half and half. I don't know. Like, honestly, my American pride from USA hockey and stuff. Like, I don't know if I could ever do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's good. Cornell's, Cornell's doing the right things. Huh? They have that many. That's amazing. Well, you know, it's crazy too. So at our charity game that we have, when it comes out on Monday, it will already have been played and we're recording this before the game is played, which is actually tomorrow. Uh, one of the things we're doing dinner, during intermission is we are honoring the 2019-2020 men's and women's team whose season got cut short because of COVID. And at the time that the, um, at the, time that the season was canceled, dude, you want to hear some unfreaking believable stats? I love unbelievable stats. Do you want to hear some unbelievable? Like, I'm not talking like, oh, these are okay stats. I'm talking about absolutely ridiculously crazy stats. Are you ready? I'm ready, baby. Okay, so this is literally what we're going to say at intermission. I'm just going to read it, all right? We would now like to take a moment to recognize and honor the 2019-2020 Cornell men's and women's hockey teams. At the stoppage of play due to the coronavirus pandemic in 2020, the teams were a combined 51-4-7, with the women posting a 28-2-3 record and the men at 23-2-4. Both teams finished the year as the number one team in the country, Ivy League champions, and number one seeds in the ECAC tournament before the season got canceled. Their combined record in the ECAC regular season was 37-2-5, with the women's team going undefeated in their run. Between the two teams, they only lost one time at storied liner rink, which is Cornell's home rink, with the men's team never surrendering a loss at home. Individually, Morgan Barron led the way for the Big Red, earning a Hobie Baker top 10 finalist position, while Lindsey Browning and Jamie Bourbonnet were also honored as Patty Casimir top 10 finalists as well. Coach Mike Schaefer and Coach Doug Daraff of the men's and the women's team also garnered honors as National Coaches of the Year for the NCAA. Are you kidding me with those records? That's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Four losses between the two teams in, what is it, 60-something games. Four losses between the two teams going into the ECAC tournament. And they didn't get a chance to either team, obviously, to, to go and compete for a national championship, which was absolutely heartbreaking. And I was doing the color for the men's games. Like the women, they dominated, absolutely dominated. And I was doing the color for the men's games throughout the year, and they absolutely dominated. I've never seen a college hockey team dominate as much as they did throughout an entire season. And so it just absolutely sucks that their seasons got cut short. Um, but you know what? It It is what it is. And uh, yeah, so we're honoring them at the charity game uh, tomorrow, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to do that. Some of the some of the men and women are coming in for the game. It'll be a lot of fun. That'll be such a good time. That's so much fun. Dude, how about those records? Yeah, that's just like... What? Four losses between the two and 60-some-odd games. Are you Wait, kidding me? How how are there ties? I thought there weren't ties in college hockey anymore. Some in of the, the guys ECAC, and I were talking there are. about... In the there ECAC, are. there are. Yeah, they're they don't do still stuck in the Stone Ages. No, they're still doing five on five five on five overtime for five minutes and then a tie <laughs> oh yeah because a lot of people are gonna score five on five in ot <laughs> yeah. ew ecac get your act together i know they need to do that but uh just it, you know what it, it's it's just absolutely sucked that they didn't 
get the chance to compete for a national championship. Number one in the country, both teams at the time of the stoppage of play. Uh, but it was, I mean, I'll tell you, going back to, to this conversation, like what an inspiring conversation with these women. And then what an awesome, awesome, awesome charity game that we put together every year. And every year we raise over a hundred thousand dollars for this school for kids with special needs. As most of the people who listen to our podcast know, you know, I have people in my family, obviously it's Jeff's family as well. My brothers who, who have special needs. And I can tell you that the services that this school provides to these kids changes families lives. It makes the lives of the kids and the families both so much easier and so much better. The kids develop so much more having these services from places like Racker. And so um, just a, an amazing initiative that we get to do. We get some, you know, some high level people to come back for Dustin Brown, two-time Stanley cup winning captain for the LA Kings is playing in it this year. Joe Neuendijk, NHL hall of famer, John Butchergrass is actually coming back and he's going to be a guest coach. Um, and so uh, we just have these just amazing people that come back for, it, especially people, you know, in the Cornell and the Ithaca communities as well. So um, for, for me, if you can go to racker.org and check out what this event is all about, you can, donate money if you want obviously don't if you don't want to um but like just the the services that it, this fundraiser is not just a fundraiser it's about raising awareness for an amazing place as well so um we're so happy to be able to do it we're so happy to be able to do things like this virtual town hall with six canadians national women's players uh to raise the awareness for it and i'm just i'm so excited for it right now it's going to be an amazing day it's it's the eighth time we've done it um so excited it's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable what you've uh, accomplished with that stuff. And if any, you're talking about your bros, if anybody hasn't listened to our podcast with Tope's brother, Max, one of his twin brothers, that was an awesome podcast. We got so much good feedback on that one. We did. We did. And I actually. know Max is listening. What's up, Max? <laughs> <laughs> Max, Max, the man, man. I'm, I'm so excited. He's going to help me out with my team this year. Be one of my, you know, one of my assistant coaches too. So I'm, I'm really excited for him to, uh, have a positive impact on, on my players as well. That's going to be really cool. I'm so excited for you guys. That's going to be awesome. And coming to St. Louis pretty soon here. Coming to St. Louis in a couple of weeks with my Windy City Storm team. We uh, start our training camp on Sunday, so in a couple of days. And uh, actually, our first game is against the St. Louis AAA Blues. And uh, an assistant coach on that team, Sean Muncie, also another podcast guest that we've had on here. So, uh, man, it's just the best time of year. August, September is the best time of year when hockey gets going and uh, really, really excited for it. And so uh, with that, uh, don't want to waste any more time. Want to get to this podcast because it was amazing. Want to thank our sponsors. I'm just going to run through this really quick. Gelstix, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Go there for some amazing weighted amazing weighted training sticks, icehockeysystems.com, uh, one of the best developmental websites for hockey out there. Uh, we have partnered with them to do an association platform. Go to icehockeysystems.com today and look for the associations tab. Uh, thank you to Train Heroic, which is Jeff's uh, training app where he has all of his off-ice workouts on. And then obviously, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who continues to listen and share our podcast. We do this for you guys. Uh, we love to bring on just a, a wide array and diverse set of guests every week to help uh, everybody that listens just get a little bit better. And, and this one is an amazing one that's going to help a lot of people to get better. I mean, where else do you get to, <laughs> you know, get to interview six 
national players at one time. Very, very cool. And so without further ado, here we go with the six Canadian national women's teams players in Micah Zandi Hart, Jamie Barbonet, Kristen O'Neill, Jill Sonier, Brent, uh, Brianne Jenner, Rebecca Johnson, shout out to Cornell, all Cornell alums as well. So here we go. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming on today uh, to have a little bit of a chat with just some unbelievably amazing women uh, who are unfortunately kind of in prison right now, quarantined up in uh, Calgary, Alberta, as a uh, a weight plane in the World Championship Tournament. Uh, We're so, so uh, honored to have uh, all six of you women here today. And uh, before I get to some of the some of the questions, and I'm really really excited to talk to you guys about your Cornell days. I'm excited to talk to you about uh, the the opportunity to play for for Team Canada and and some of the awesome things that you've been able to do through that. Um, but uh, just want to introduce all of the women that are on uh, this call right now. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to make a lot of people just. I mean, what Cornell hockey has been able to do um, in conjunction with getting some amazing women down from Canada um, over the past, I would call it 15 to 20 years now, Dougie, um, has, has been amazing. And, and so um, just awesome, awesome job by all of you. And, and so cool that you're able to represent not only Cornell, but, uh, but Canada so well uh, with all of your accomplishments. So to start, just to introduce the women that are on here right now, uh, first is Micah Zandi Hart. She is from, I'm going to butcher this, but Sanchiton, <laughs> British Columbia. I never heard of it. Uh, she is a defenseman. Uh, she won a U18 gold medal in 2014, a world championship bronze medal in 2019. She was a 2020 Patty Casimir nominee, and she is also the Cornell women's hockey all-time leader in blocked shots. So you know what a team first person that is putting her body on the line uh, for the women in the red. So very, very happy to have Micah Zandi Hart here. Next, we're going to go Jamie Barbonet, who is from Mississauga, Ontario, actually the same hometown as one of my teammates and one of the best Cornell men's players of all time, Matt Molson. Uh, she is also a defenseman, won a world championship bronze medal in 2019. She was a Patty Casimir top 10 finalist in 2020, first team All-American 2020, she is three-time All-Ivy, two-time ECAC top defenseman. Uh, Jamie Bourbonnet, thanks for coming on the call here. Uh, next up, we have Kristen O'Neill, who is from beautiful Oakville, Ontario. And she's won two U18 silver medals with Team Canada. She has 145 points in her Cornell hockey career. She's a three-time first All-Ivy player. All-time at Cornell, she is eighth in goals. She is 10th in points and first in shorthanded goals. 
and also first in game winning goals. So Kristen just coming up in the clutch. I love it. She also won a bronze medal with Team Canada in the World Championships in 2019. Uh, next up, we have Rebecca Johnston, who is from beautiful Sudbury, Ontario, up north. Had a couple siblings that also played at Cornell. Jacob was one of my teammates. Awesome, awesome guy. Sarah was my year as well. Uh, Rebecca has won three Olympic medals, including two gold medals. She has nine world championship medals, including one gold medal, two CWHL championships. She is a three-time Patty Casimir finalist. She was a first-team All-American in 2012 and second-team All-American twice as well. She was first-team All-Ivy and All-ECAC four times in her four years. She is seventh overall in points in Cornell history and third overall in goals in Cornell history. So, Rebecca, thank you for coming on the call. Rebecca, I believe you are the only person on here that interlapped with me when I was playing. I think you came in my uh, my senior year. You were a freshman, so it was awesome watching you play back in the day. Uh, next, we have Brianne Jenner, who is also from Oakville, Ontario. She has two Olympic medals, including one gold medal. She has six world championship medals, including one gold, two CWHL championships. She is a two-time Patty Casimir finalist, two-time Ivy League player of the year, two-time ECAC player of the year. She is also a four-time All-Ivy and All-ECAC first-team player. She is also the Cornell all-time leader in assists in Cornell history and second all-time in points. So, Brianne Jenner, thank you for coming on this call. And last but not least, we have Jill Saulnier from beautiful Halifax, Nova Scotia on the East coast of Canada. And she won an Olympic medal silver in 2018. Uh, she was involved in two world championships. She's won a CWHL championship, a U18 gold medal. She was a Patty Casimir finalist in 2014. She was the Ivy league player of the year in 2014 and also a first team all American. She was a two time Ivy first team player, two time ECAC first time player, sixth all time in points in Cornell history and fourth all time in Cornell history in a assists. I need a drink of water. I need a hug after going through all of that. You girls are amazing. Just what incredible accomplishments that you guys have had. Um, and, and really putting Cornell hockey on the map as well. You know, when I first came to Cornell, um, to seeing where it was when I was there in 2004 to where it is today. I mean, you, you women have seriously, seriously raised the bar and made Cornell women's hockey a huge, huge, huge thing in the Ithaca community. And uh, it was so fun to watch you guys play uh, as a coach. Um, you know, we learned a lot from you guys and, and your successes as well. So um, enough bragging about you guys. What do you say we get to, uh, to the questions? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So, you know, I, I'm really interested um, in the fact that, you know, I never got the chance to, to play for my country. I was very, very close a couple of times. And, and I can't imagine, especially being from Canada, how incredibly special it is uh, to play for your country. And, and Rebecca, I'll, I'll start with you, you know, having the chance to win two gold medals, be a part of three Olympics and, and all the world championships that you've been able to play in. Uh, how special is it to play for Team Canada and, and wear the Maple Leafs in the red and white? 
Uh, I mean, it's so special. I'm sure any of the girls would would say that it's it's such a huge honor to wear that leaf and and to play for for your country. I mean, it's it's a huge honor. It's been a goal of mine ever since I was a little girl. So to be able to accomplish that goal and to represent my country, um, to to be able to win a gold medal for for my country, it's it's a huge honor. And it honestly never gets old. Like every year I put that jersey on, it's just I'm so excited to to be able to represent my country and play the sport that I love to play. That's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, for, for maybe some of the younger women, like, like Micah, maybe we'll go to you next, you know, having come in and, and going to Cornell and, and seeing the, the, the path that some of the women before you blazed uh, in playing in some of these world championships and Olympics, you know, how cool is it for you to be able to carry on that tradition of the Cornell women's hockey player playing for team Canada now? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's incredible. I think I remember in the recruiting process, just getting to meet Doug and and seeing, you know, the girls that had gone on to play for Canada or were, were playing with Canada at the time uh, was obviously a huge kind of motivator for me. And I think anyone who's walked down the hallway at Cornell and seen, you know, the pictures of our Team Canada and Team USA players on the wall, uh, every day I walked through that hallway and I was like, okay, Micah, that's where I want to be one day. So um, it was pretty cool to have those girls to look up to and, and now to get to play with them after watching them, uh, both with Cornell and with Canada is, is an incredible experience. Unreal. Unreal. And Brianne, I'll, I'll go to you next because you got the chance to win an Olympic gold medal as well. Um, what was it like for you being from Oakville, Ontario, obviously hockey, very, very hockey mad, um, to, to be able to come home with that medal around your neck, um, share that with your family and friends. Like what was the thrill that you were able to experience and coming home after you did that? It was, uh, it was pretty crazy coming back. I think, you know, going to my first Olympics, um, you know, I was kind of just focused on the hockey tournament and coming back home with a medal to a hockey crazed country like Canada, it was uh, quite the experience. And I think I didn't really understand until I returned back, um, you know, how impactful our performance was, especially on, on young hockey players. So getting to share that medal, you know, with young kids at my hockey school and just seeing their faces light up uh, was something that uh, was was really cool. Um, but I also remember bringing it back to Ithaca and the support that we had from I, I went to a game. I went to a Cornell women's hockey game and, and watched my teammates and the support from from all the fans in Lina was was pretty unbelievable, especially, you know, I know we played against the U S and I know a, a lot of them would have been pulling for the U S of course, but uh, there's, there's something special about the line of faithful and, and how, how loyal they are to their players. Absolutely. And uh, the line of faithful is, uh, is something that is absolutely incredible. And there's really nothing like that for both the men's and the women's, you know, it's, it's amazing to be able to, to, to see the support that we get in, in the Cornell community and uh, you know, with with that support is a responsibility and we got to make sure that we bring it on a consistent everyday basis you know there's a lot of people whose whose mondays are riding on how we do on on friday and saturday and for you guys maybe um kristen i'll go to you on this next one um as as one of the younger women on this call um now you got the crowds and you got you know all the support that's coming through and it's a big deal at, at cornell to play women's hockey um talk about just like the thrill of of being a cornell women's hockey player and what it means to you that it means so much to the community yeah, it was awesome having that support. I mean, um, 
even in the recruiting process, I knew there was a big following for the women's hockey team at Cornell, but I never knew how close the players would get to their fans. And um, even like the families with our, our little sister, the Cub Club program, um, that was really great to be able to get to know families and younger girls in the community. So um, that was a, a really um, important part of our, our team in our in our in our play uh, at Cornell. So that was really special to have those experiences and make those relationships at Cornell. That's really cool. And you talked about the Cubs Club and uh, just a really, really cool initiative where you, you guys get paired up with, you know, a younger, a younger girl in the area. Um, one of the things that I've always been very, very impressed with, and I think it's extremely, extremely special, is how much mentorship means to women's hockey players and paving the way. Um, because for, for us men, you know, we see guys playing in the NHL, um, your game, unfortunately, isn't as publicized as it needs to be. And so you guys really have to, to blaze a path and, and chart paths that, that haven't been charted before. Um, how much of a responsibility is that that you guys take on? Because I think you guys are amazing at it with, with what you guys have done and, and fighting for what you believe in and standing up for what you guys think is right. How much of what you guys are doing has nothing to do with hockey and has everything to do with leaving the game better than where you found it? Jill, I'll, I'll go to, to you for this one because it, it is something that I mean, it is it, like the, the word that comes to mind is amazing. You guys have done such an amazing job in, in my daughters. I have three daughters that are under five years old. So I, I get to breathe right now. This is a little bit of a break being on this call, but I know that should they want to choose to play hockey, it's going to be a lot better of a situation and environment because of the work that you guys have done. So how much of, of what you do is, is about women empowerment and making it better for the next generation? Yeah, um, that's a big question, Topher. That's an important one. Um, but uh, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. That's, you know, that's why we play. We, we play to try to, you know, blaze that path. And I remember, you know, way back, way back when I was at school at Cornell, um, you know, a, a big thing that coach really pressed was gratitude. Um, and it was being involved in the community and, you know, being good leaders inside, but more importantly, outside the rink and the people that we became. And, you know, for us, a lot of our, you know, our heroes and our idols were heroes and idols that we saw on TV um, or saw on, you know, the internet. And we didn't really have an opportunity to, you know, be right face to face or hands on or watch them in the stands. So I think we as, you know, as growing athletes, we just appreciate and we understand how valuable that is to have your heroes right in front of you. So, you know, if we can do that and inspire the next generation and, you know, be close to the community and really show them, you know, why we love the game and why we love giving back so much. Um, I think that's that's pretty much a gold medal for us. And and Jamie, I, I want to expand upon that. Like you know, we're all on this call, big believers that you know, being a better person makes you a better hockey player. You know, just with the perspective and the gratitude, Jill, that that you were just talking about. How much um, of this? Um, I don't want to call it a fight, but it is a fight for equality and and recognition. Um, how much of that do you think has led to to you guys? being better hockey players and, and having better teams be because of that. Yeah. I mean, just to echo what Jill said, like, I think the role model aspect of hockey is obviously really big. I think growing up, 
even playing throughout Appleby where Jenner and Jill both played, I definitely looked up to them and um, I learned from them as hockey players, but also as people, I always heard about what great people they were and I wanted to follow in their footsteps. So I think being great people and being great teammates is a huge aspect of having a great team. And we definitely had that at Cornell and we definitely have that right now with the national team. That's incredible. And, and Rebecca, I'll go to you. Cause I want to, I want to go farther on that. You talk about the camaraderie, you know, how much, how important is that? Like, can you take us through how important that is maybe in a setting like Cornell um, or when you're playing professional hockey, when the season is a little bit longer versus the camaraderie aspect of playing in, in a two week tournament where you got to really ramp it up and really get close uh, as a group. Is there much of a difference with the planning when it comes to building your culture and building that camaraderie within the locker room in like a longer season versus the, the two week type tournaments? Yeah, there's de- there's definitely a difference. I mean, it's really hard to to build that chemistry, um, to build that closeness and family like feeling. Um, obviously, if you're with a team for a long period of time, it's easy to really get to know one another, um, you know, off the ice and and build that chemistry and that relationship with each and every teammate. And I think it's really important to have that that chemistry. And to, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, but to really know everyone and to know how they think and how they learn and how um, you know, they grow as a player and how you can motivate each other. And, and it's so important to get that. And so for a short time frame, it is hard to get, but, uh, luckily, I mean, if you know each other and you kind of come in and out for tournaments, um, that helps if you, if you've played with each other over the years, but, um, that chemistry, that, that, uh, feeling of, of being like a, a big family really helps. And I think it's, it's that motivation to want to win for each other, um, and that is definitely built throughout time and um, a short term tournament. It is a little bit more challenging. But again, it's it's, you know, having that common goal or you all want to win that gold medal. I love that. And, and Brianna, I'll go to you, you know, as somebody again, who's, who's been through it a couple of different times, you know, as one of the leaders in the locker room, how important is it to you to, to speak to maybe some of the younger players that you're going to be playing with about how important it is to build that camaraderie um, and how in this tight time frame that you guys have to build that family, like you said, Rebecca, um, is that something that you take on that you think needs to be communicated by the older group um, to, to the younger group as well? Yeah, it's interesting that you asked this question because one of our focuses this past year has been being great teammates to each other um, and, and building that chemistry. And we've got quite a few new, new faces on on the national team this year. Um, you know, I, we've got some young ones on this call, but I think with the Cornell connection, I tend to, to tend to know these guys pretty well. Um, but it's an important part of, of building a team. And, you know, we're, we're looking at the world championships in the next couple of weeks. So obviously we need to get to a level of chemistry on the ice. Um, like Johnny talked about, but we're also in a year where we have the opportunity to all be in Calgary, all living together. And um, we have that chance to, to get to know each other on a deeper level. Um, you know, have those conversations away from the hockey rink where we, you know, get to know each other's families. We get to know what, what people are into and just kind of share that connection as friends. And I think that that can lead to a really strong hockey program. I think when I look back at my time at Cornell, some of the teammates that I am, closest and some of the the best friendships I have in my life are from the Cornell years because we studied together we ate together you know we danced in the dressing room together we were around each other 24 7 and some days I'm sure we annoyed each other as well but um 
that bond that we had from from that time at Cornell is something that is is really strong. So that's an exciting thing that we have, you know, on the national team this year is we have that chance to be around each other more for this season. Yeah, very cool. And and another you know, focusing a little bit in a different way, but very much involved in how important team chemistry and, and camaraderie and culture is, is I've, everybody plays a different role, uh, obviously on the team. And, and the one role that I think uh, goals unheralded a lot of times is uh, very, very astute defenseman and Micah all time blocks leader at Cornell. Like that, that's a pretty, pretty awesome stat um, just in the terms of what it says about your character and, and putting yourself out there for the team. Um, but as someone who would play that type of role, a um, little bit of a hockey question here, you know, wh- what is important to you for players out there, defensemen out there? What are some things that you think they need to learn about the game to be able to play that type of role um, on a team? It's a great question, Topher. I like that one. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, for me, I was the only girl on a boys hockey team my whole life up until I was 15. Um, and naturally, no offense to the males in the room, but everyone wanted to score goals. And I learned at a young age that no matter how many goals you score, you also have to stop a few if you want to win. Um, so I always took that role in my boys teams and just kind of carried it through the rest of my life. Um, And I think at Cornell, you know, we always focused on every role mattered and it wasn't all about scoring goals. You know, we had to have a good penalty kill. We had to have a good power play. We had to be aggressive on the forecheck. Like it was a complete game. So I think for younger defensemen, especially just if you're good at something, whether it be blocking shots or making passes, really like own that um, and get good good at that because that's just as needed as you know someone who can put the puck in the back of the net we gotta we gotta get to the offensive zone for that to happen so um, I think just own your strengths and even if they're not as uh, sought after in some people's eyes or or in the media stick with it because um, it still might get you a spot on the team uh, somewhere down the road Uh, you're still going to be needed so Big time, big time. Well, now let's uh, let's head it over to to somebody that uh, you know does do some of that cool stuff in the offensive zone. And uh, the one stat that I think is incredible, Kristen, is that you are first in Cornell history in game winning goals. Um, so you know, for you, game winning goals, obviously that's great because it means you're winning a lot of games because you have so freaking many. So that's great. Um, but for you, like, what's your mindset? Um, in, in, in how you approach the game that you feel like allows you to thrive in some of those maybe pressure types of situations um, where the game is on the line? Because some of those game-winning goals, you know, because you're at Cornell, um, were in probably five-nothing games and you scored the first goal. But <laughs> other other goals were 2-1 and you scored the second and the third pe- uh, second goal of that in the third period and stuff like that. So um, what, what take us through your mindset of, of how you approach the game and, and how you approach offense, especially in those clutch times situations um I would have to say my uh my graduating class has a big um impact on that I mean we we had a lot of chemistry and um our class just fit together really well on the ice and off the ice so um mindset um I don't think there was really a big mindset to game winning goals per se but um, our our team as a whole are always had a really big belief in one another. So I think um, 
there wasn't any really big need to step up at those moments. It's just um, we had consistent trust in one another. So I think that carried through. Um, and that was a big part of winning those games, those tight games, especially. Okay. Typical hockey question, deflecting praise and, and putting it on the team. Great, great hockey answer. I like it. Both of you guys. <laughs> um, good stuff. Well, well, Jill, I'm going to go over to you next and, and your fourth all time in assists in, in Cornell history. And, you know, as a coach that that's something very much that, um, that talks about your hockey sense. And so another question, you know, what, what's really important to you as it comes to how you process and think the game that allows you to have that, you know, success offensively? You know, if you're talking to your teammates on the bench, what are, what are some things that you're typically talking about with them? What are some things that you focus on maybe in the video room? In, in, take us through a little bit of your mindset of how you approach the game. <laughs> I'm kind of giggling over because I, I remember always looking up and seeing number 11 or six. And so it <laughs> doesn't make it too hard to be high in assists. And if you have those two on your line um, to finish quite a few goals, but uh, yeah, as far as hockey sense, I, I think it's just, it's a learned behavior and it's something that a lot of it's kind of ingrained in you. But I remember my time at Cornell. Um, I was really lucky. We had a great team for four years and, you know, similar to what Kristen said, just that belief and that trust, that was something that, you know, ended up having a, a huge benefit to me learning the game. And I probably went into Cornell, not really even knowing what the defensive zone was because um, I was a pretty offensive forward to now that's, you know, kind of my, uh, my bees knees. So I think when it comes to hockey sense, as you grow as an athlete um, and a hockey player, you just become, you become a student of the game and, and you try to learn as much as you can to, you know, to bring all those different aspects. And like I said, I was lucky and it's not just, I'm not just deflecting it. They, those are two pretty, pretty crazy line mates to have. So um, I was pretty blessed to, to have a couple of, to, to make me look good for the four years. Yeah, for sure. And, and did you actually use the term bees knees just, just a couple of minutes ago? Was that? I, I think coach Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I like it. Well, well, you mentioned being a student of the game, Jill and Jamie, I'll go to you as, as one of the younger women on the call here, you know, having the chance to, to be around uh, the Canadian women's national team now for a bit. And um, you know, what are some things that you've been able to pick up and what are some things that you've been able to learn just from watching, you know, some of the women that have been doing it for, for a bunch of years now, has it been a pretty good learning experience for you? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, every practice I try to take a step back and just watch all the girls and really try to learn from everyone. I mean, like you said, everyone has such amazing bios and have accomplished some amazing things. So I think just being able to be on the same ice service as them is a really special thing for me to be able to learn from all of them. And even having uh, coach Doug, you know, with us here, he's obviously been an incredible coach and an incredible mentor to me throughout my time at Cornell to have him here as well. Coaching and teaching me has been really special and um, you know, I'm, I'm still learning. There's still so much to be learned and, um, I'm really excited to, you know, go into the world championship and continue to learn from these girls and be, uh, be able to play alongside them, honestly. Very cool. Very cool. Well, it, it is, it is awesome that we have so many of you guys on this call that, that have gone on and, and are going to play in, 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 uh, in the world championships here for, for the national team. But, you know, one of the things that, that I think is really important to talk about in, in the stories of very accomplished people and especially accomplished women is that, you know, development and your path to where you are now is not a straight line up. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of adversity that you have to go through. And, and I'm a big believer that, 
you know, probably a big part of the reason why you are where you are today and the success that you've had is because you've been able to overcome those kinds of things. So Rebecca, you know, as someone, again, three Olympics, I think I said nine world championships, you've had so many accolades and so many cool things that you've earned in your career. But if you can just like talk to us right now, and, and especially for some of the girls, the little girls that'll be listening to this, you know, what, how important is that overcoming adversity aspect to getting to where you are today? I mean, it's so important. Um, I feel like every athlete, every individual will go through some sort of adversity in their life. And, and it's what you do with that adversity, how you learn from it, um, how you grow as a person, as a player, um, and how you deal with that is, is what will make you successful. And, so, you know, athletes go through injuries. Injuries is a huge adversity that people that, you know, athletes have to go through. And, um, I've, I've had a couple injuries that I've, I've had to, you know, adapt and, and try to recover from and, and get back to playing from. And so those things are, are things where you just don't want to be, you don't want to let that bring you down and, or, you know, lose hope or faith um, or confidence. Uh, there's, there's so many things that you can go through in life, um, you know, as a player or just in life in general. And, and it's really how you make, how you see those, the adversity and, and how you like take it head on. And, um, I just think just trying to stay in the moment, being positive and learning from, from, um, I wouldn't say failures, but things that you go through that may not be positive at the time, I think everything happens for a reason and you just have to try to um, see the positives in that and learn from it. Um, and for, for me, I've definitely learned from some, you know, past injuries that I've had. Um, you really learn a lot about yourself. You kind of take a step away from the game and um, you, you try to grow as, as a player and as a person. And, and I think there is a lot to learn from, from adversity and things that you have to fight for. Um, it just makes everything so much sweeter or it makes, you know, winning a gold medal that much sweeter if you really had to fight through something to get there. I love that. My parents, I, I'm surprised they didn't tattoo on my forehead. Everything happens for a reason. I was <laughs> saying that they, they, they told me, uh, probably the most when, when I was a kid, it was the number one that, uh, just fight a lot of adversity. <laughs> Got to think that way. Right. Um, well, Brianne, like going to you, um, you know, Rebecca mentioned the moment and being in the moment and playing at the levels that you guys are playing that and representing your country and all the pressures that go with that. I mean, I think just human nature in general, it's, it's very hard to live in the moment and really appreciate it. We're always kind of, for whatever reason, focusing on past stuff or future stuff that hasn't happened yet. Um, but, but for you, how important is being in the moment? You know, you've had the chance to, to do this a couple of times now. Um, is it something that's still pretty difficult to do? And, but when you do it, how kind of like almost freeing is it for you when you're playing? Yeah. I mean, being in the moment as an athlete is kind of like, we call it being in the zone or being in that sweet spot where you're not really thinking about what you're doing. Um, you know, when I think of the nicer goals I've scored in my career, I don't remember what I did. I don't remember what happened. Um, and it, and it sounds from the outside that it's, it's just luck, but I think for us, what it, what it teaches us is that it's, it's the preparation that you put into it so that when you get to a moment of a lot of pressure, um, you know, it's a playoff game at Lina against Harvard, you can be in that moment and just be, uh, because you've put in that preparation and put in the work behind the scenes. So 
being in the moment is that holy grail. I think that as athletes, we're always trying to chase and something that, you know, we work on with our mental performance coach. It's, it's something that we talk about. Um, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, all of us on the call can, can just be in the moment, be ourselves and, and let our talent shine. Unreal. And, and you mentioned that you, you guys work with a sports performance consultant, Jill, um, how has that been? Uh, you know, we're very big advocates and I'm a very big advocate in, in maybe getting an outside perspective, maybe whether it's a sports psychologist or, you know, somebody from a different field that can help you just kind of get in the zone, if that's how you, how you want to call it, or, or just kind of help you with your play from a mental standpoint, um, you know, and, and through Team Canada or through some of your other um, endeavors that you've had, have, have you been able to do that and how important has that been for you? Yeah, I mean, we've been really lucky here. Um, Hockey Canada sets the stage, so everything you need as an athlete is there. It's at arm's reach, and, uh, you know, a mental performance um, coach has been there for us for years. And fortunately, we've had the same one within Hockey Canada for a long time. And, um, you know, she's been a really powerful tool for us uh, to realize different challenges and realize different approaches to, you know, get through uh, whatever whatever we're going through. And it's different for every athlete. And I think that's really important to note, too, is, um, kind of similar to what Jenner said, getting in that zone and getting in that state of just being, um, it's a different road. It's a different, you know, wavy line to get there for every single one. So individually and personally, I mean, I've used uh, a mental training coaches, you know, as my right hand, you know, all through my career, um, you know, to help me get into that mindset, to get into that zone. And I think if you have the ability to, you know, to lean on someone and find out, you know, what you need and just a little push um, to help you kind of reach your your own potential from a mental standpoint, it's a pretty powerful thing to do. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, Jamie, I'll go to you next. You know, we're talking about the mental performance. We're talking about adversity. You know, something that we talk about all the time when it comes to those times is, uh, you know, having a great support system. And so, you know, for you and your career, can can you talk a little bit about how important your support system has been to your success as a hockey player? And maybe who are some of the the people that have really helped you along the way? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would not be where I am today without the support system that I've had. I think my parents are actually on the call right now, and they're definitely two of the biggest uh, people in my life that have been supporting me throughout everything. Um, you know, throughout Cornell, there was obviously ups and downs, there was adversity, and they were always there for me, always one call away. So that was huge. And then honestly, just the team, having the girls um, to lean on, you know, we're all going through the same thing. Uh, we're all experiencing it together. So, so to be able to share that together was really special and we could lean on each other and, you know, work through it. And um, I think Johnny said, like, it makes it sweeter in the end when you come out successful, when you've been able to overcome um, challenges together. And um, at Cornell, you know, we definitely had some struggles and some challenges and um, we definitely were able to lean on each other and work through it together, which made it just, it, it was honestly a huge bonding experience for us and it made us closer. And I think it made us better in the end. So yeah, I'm really thankful for my support system and, definitely would not be here without them. Okay. So you mentioned that your parents are on the call. So Katie, I'm going to ask you, I see a Roger Bourbonnet on here. Uh, I'm going to ask you if you can to make him a co-host as well. So, so he can put his two cents in. Um, but you know, I, I know I'm, I'm a new parent. My, my oldest is, is four years old. Um, but I, I know just even, you know, watching my, my daughters take their, 
steps or say their first words, how absolutely proud I am of, of just even the little wins, you know, and, and Roger, um, yep. Looks like you're, you're good here for audio now, Roger. I mean, you're sitting on a call here. You're going to get to, to watch your daughter play in the world championships. You, you've seen her, uh, you know, wear the Maple Leaf and, and play for team Canada, which is absolutely amazing. Um, talk a little bit about how proud you are and, and what a cool experience it's been for you as well. Well, first I should have stayed anonymous, so I got to change my login name. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lesson there. All good. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, we do. We live vicariously through our kids, so you know, to see uh, the success they have, um, to be a little part of that, to you know, be the shoulder to cry on, or to give the encouragement that uh, they need at the right time to help them make good choices and find good people to be around, good programs to get into. So, you know, being part of that process to help select Cornell for, for Jamie was a big part of what we think we can contribute to her success. So, you know, watching her go through her career and have her ups and downs and try to make sure that she understands that it's a journey. It doesn't happen easily. There's always adversity behind success. And, uh, you know, I, again, it's just that support network that she talked about that uh, we wanted to be there for her and not get in the way of the decisions that she needed to make as an individual. So it had to be her choice. It had to be her dream, but we would be there to support her. So that's, you know, we're excited to, to see where she's at and we're hopeful that uh, we have success in the next uh, couple of weeks here and, and in the future. Awesome. And uh, I'm impressed that you got through that without crying. I don't, I don't know if I could have done that talking about my daughter. So great work on that. <laughs> um, but I am a big believer and, and Dougie and Edith, you know, and Dean, like I'm sure would, um, would echo this is that, you know, through the college recruiting process, you, you, you typically realize and understand that the apple typically doesn't fall far from the tree. And when there's good parents, there's usually good kids. And so I think we all, um, we all can, can thank our parents for, for the sacrifices, the million sacrifices that they make to get us to where we are. So, um, I, I think it's really cool that you're able to be on here and you're going to be able to watch the women, uh, compete for, for a gold medal here coming up soon. And, um, just to, to move on just a little bit, um, Kristen, um, again, so many Cornell people on this call. I'm a goofball. You're a goofball. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Um, Kristen, I'll, I'll go to you. Um, how has your experience at Cornell prepared you for this kind of moment? You know, Cornell top team in the country, uh, you're competing day in and day out with just some amazing accomplished women that, that are going to make you better, you know, for the four years that you're there. Um, just talk about a little bit of your experience of how your Cornell experience has, has led you to, to the path here today. Um, so at Cornell, I think, um, we always strive to be as professional as we could in our sport and on the ice and off the ice. So I think um, that's a huge, um, that really helped me prepare for uh, playing for the national team, trying out for the national team and just um, being a professional athlete. Um, I think our coach really set us up for success in that way. And um, yeah, just, everything we did was as professional as it could be in the, in the college environment. So I think uh, that aspect of things really set us up for success. That's awesome. And, and Mike, I'll go to you next, you know, as someone who, you know, has been at Cornell very, very recently as well. Um, 
if you can just like, I've always tried to talk to my teams and always tried to impart with the players that I'm affecting or coaching that the harder it is in practice, the, the more you're going to be prepared for moments like this, right? The, the big moments, the championship games, the world championships uh, and everything like that. So if you can talk a little bit about some of the practices there at Cornell and, and how that has helped to prepare you for, for where you're at now. Yeah, well, I think coach really taught all of us how to work hard. Um, during <laughs> at Cornell. And I'd say that definitely prepared us uh, for playing at the next level. But I think one important thing too, is we did work really hard at Cornell, but kind of what similar to what Jenner said earlier, we bonded so much in those hard times and we had so much fun with it. Like I remember my senior year, Jamie and Kristen can attest, we came out every single practice and we did a lap where we literally just banged our sticks against the glass and yelled as loud as we could, coaches included, because we were just so excited to be out there practicing with each other. Um, and I think that's something really special about Cornell is I think we, we did work very hard, but we thrived in those hard moments and we found a way to enjoy them and joke about them and bond within them. Um, and I think that is actually what prepared us more, less the the sweat and the hard work, but more how we handled it. Uh, and I think for for these girls going to play in the world championship, they're definitely no stranger to hard work and and thriving in those tough moments. I like it. Bang in the glass. I, that, <laughs> that would have been pretty funny to see. What year was that that you guys did that? Uh, that was 2019, 2020. I think it started one, one, I think one of our teammates, she shot her first puck after breaking her wrist or yeah, I think that was it, Joey, right? And everyone started celebrating. And then I think that just carried on to every single practice. And then halfway through the coaches started to join in too. So coach was banging his stick against the glass as well. Well, you guys must love it when, when coach Dougie gets involved because coach Dougie is still, he's still got it. He's still got his A game. He is unreal at hockey. So I'll make him blush a little bit here. Um, <laughs> but uh, be, before I let you guys go, and again, a long this time is... since you've seen me, Tof. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you still got it. I'm sure you still got it. But uh, uh, before we go here, um, like I said, and, and you obviously saw both of my daughters wanting to get on this call right now. Um, but I want to ask you guys all the same question, um, because I I think with, with all the experiences that you've had with all the highs and lows, with all the ups and downs, you've gained so much, uh, experience, you've gained so much knowledge, you've gained so much wisdom with it. So, uh, I want to ask you guys the same question and that is, you know, what advice do you have for, you know, the little girl who's five years old in Oakville or in Sudbury or in Calgary, you know, where, where you guys are at right now. Uh, if you could just, just uh, give us, you know, one, maybe two things that, that you would tell to them if they have hopes and dreams of, of being, you know, in, in your shoes right now. And Rebecca, I'll, I'll start with you here. Yeah, I think, you know, just to, to never give up and to just dream big. I think anyone who wants to accomplish something can do it. It's just, it requires hard work, work ethic and passion and love for what you're doing. And um, don't let anyone ever say that you can't do something. And I never thought in a million years I would have represented my country when I was a little girl. So um, just dream big and, and really just go after it and go after what you want. So cool. And uh, Brianne, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I would echo what Johnny said about dreaming big. I think, you know, when I think of a young female hockey player, um, 
you know, there, there's no pro league for them to dream to be a part of right now. So I would tell them to, to don't let the limits of what we have right now um, affect their dreams, dream of being that, that pro hockey player. Um, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, we always talk as athletes about working on our weaknesses and that's a really important thing, but own your strengths, be proud of what makes you unique. Um, you know, each of us on this call are lucky to be on the national team because of what we do really well, what we do better than anyone else. So um, to, to young, young girls and boys out there, I would say own your strengths and, and be proud of that. I love it. Jill, you're next. What do you got? Yeah. Um, I think I would say don't sweat the small stuff. Just kind of looking back at my career. I know there is, you know, definitely moments that I kind of held myself up on, you know, little things that could have gone and didn't go. And, um, you know, I think that gets in the way of some, you know, little moments and, and good memories. So, uh, for me, um, it would definitely be just to not sweat the small stuff, enjoy the moment and, um, good things will happen. Very cool. Very cool. Jamie, uh, you're next. Yeah. For me, I think as corny as it sounds, I would just say, you know, believe in yourself. Um, when I realized that it was my dream to play for the national team, I, I never really went back on that. I think throughout my whole career, I kind of just believed that that was possible for me. And I never even thought about that possibility that that wasn't going to happen for me. So I think that really helped me get to where I am because I just put my head down and really believed in myself. And that's still some, still something that I need to keep doing even now that I've made the national team, um, just keep believing in myself. So as corny as that is, I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give any young girl wanting to play for her country one day. I love it. Not corny at all. I think that's great. <laughs> um, okay, Kristen, uh, we'll, we'll get you and then Michael, we'll, we'll uh, end it off with you. Um, similar to what uh, Jenner and Johnny said, said, I would just say like, no dream is too big. And, and as a little girl, don't be shy about those big dreams. I mean, I knew I tended to be quiet about my big dreams about wanting to play on the national team, just cause I, I didn't want that not to happen. And I didn't, I didn't want to let people down if I didn't make it there. Um, and then I would say, just be your biggest fan, um, your own biggest fan, be proud of who, who you are and who and what you represent. Awesome. And then Micah, before you give us your advice, you're going to have to tell me, so I don't, I don't butcher it ever again. What, how you say the town that you're from in BC? It's, it's Sanichton, just, just how it's spelled. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. I'll give, it I'll give it to you. It was announced wrong at Cornell for four years. So that's okay too. Perfect. Um, I think for me, and before I say this, I promise I'm actually a pretty serious person. Um, but for me, it's just, it's having fun with what you're doing. I think sport in general, especially for young kids now is very serious. Uh, and I think often what I tell young girls that I'm coaching or hanging out with is just make sure you love what you're doing. Cause that's going to make things a lot easier and a lot more fun. And when you're, you know, my age or Jenner's age or Doug's age, even when you think back to what you remember the most, it's, it's the people you were surrounded with and the moments you had with those people, you know, you're going to want to call them up. You're not going to want to sit in a room with all your trophy and accolades. So I think just have fun with, with what you're doing every day and, and fall in love with that day-to-day -day process of whether it's hockey or whatever else you may want to do. Um, make sure you're having fun with it. Oh, 
unbelievable advice. Absolutely unbelievable advice. All of you, all six of you, uh, I'm so proud to, to wear the same color that, that you guys did at Cornell. Uh, I know how much you loved your experience there and, and, and I did too. And, you know, we're so grateful for your guys' time. I know, well, maybe you don't have a lot going on cause you're quarantined for five days. Um, but I'm sure you got team meetings and you got a bunch of different stuff going on. So we really appreciate your time in, in doing this and, and help us to, you know, raise the notoriety for a, a great cause in raising some money for, for Racker. And so we so, so appreciate your time, Dan. We have the executive director of, of Racker on right now. I don't know if you want to end things, if you want to say something real quick uh, before we, uh, before we get off here. Um, I think well, once or certainly thank you. And uh, the list of accolades you guys have is amazing. So I really appreciate you bringing that on. And, um, I think the accolades fit with the end advice that you all gave, right? Believe in yourself. Um, remember the people that you're with, because when it's all said and done, it is about the people and the relationships that Micah said. And uh, Jamie's, uh, what she thought of as maybe corny, believing in yourself is what is so important, whether you're uh, an amazingly accomplished women hockey player or somebody working at RAC or supporting people with disabilities. Um, and uh, I will close it out for me, Topher. Thank you so much for doing this. You did an awesome job. And Doug, Dougie, thank you so much for uh, making this happen. Yep. Hey, best of luck. Best of luck, uh, guys, in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, hopefully the, the food there is, is okay. And, and, uh, you guys are going to get through these five quarantine days. Uh, all right with that, but, uh, best of luck in the world championships. We're going to be watching and thank you so much for your time here tonight. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank Thanks you. a lot guys.